Morning. How are you guys? Great. Awesome. Well, yeah, my name is Christian, and my wife Stephanie and our kids here are, are hanging out. We're really thankful to be here. I'm wearing my brother's jacket. It's a little big, but uh, um, I think he wanted me to look like a winning golf golfer or something. Kinda, um, but yeah, we're really thankful to be here. I think I sent a picture. Did the picture make it up on a slide somewhere? I don't even know who I'm talking to. Where's the, oh, he's back there. Nope, no picture. Okay, good. Well, we, you can see us afterwards. We'd love to talk with you, but we had a nice picture of our family. And Alex and I may have told, he may have told you that we're, we're Swedish, um, Americanized Swedes, the land of ABBA and Ikea. Um, and um, Andy, of course, is, is our sister-in-law, and we're so thankful to the ministry of South Run. Been a huge blessing to our family, Pastor Eric, um, especially, um, you're the only pastor they've known here, so um, it's been a huge blessing for them just to be in the community, and we've seen the impact of your work on their lives and on, on our nieces and nephews, so thank you for that. And we're really honored to be here, honored to, to, to be in the pulpit today, so, so thank you for that. We are leading New Song Church in, in Copenhagen. It's a little bitty baby church plant, so we'd love to, to share more with you about that. If you pray for us, um, sign up for our, our prayer list back there. Denmark is next to Sweden, so we're kind of a neighboring culture to where our family is in Stockholm. A um, few fun things about Denmark, the kids in the room... What, what, what is a toy that has building blocks that you probably all have in your house? What's that called? Legos. Legos, that's right. And does anybody know what Lego means? It's from Denmark. It's in Danish. Any guesses? I was at camp speaking, Stephanie and I, the last few weeks in Denver. So we, we, we would throw out Swedish fish for anybody who got a rain survey. I didn't bring that today, but... Lego means ligot, ligot in Danish, which means basically play nice um, in Danish. So there you go. Now you know what your kids are doing. And it works, doesn't it? They play well for a long, you know, they last forever. And Denmark is, is known as one of the happiest, healthiest, um, wealthiest in some ways places in the world. Um, but it is also one of the most lost places of the world. And Alex and I know that through our father and our family and um, over there. And it's a, a, a place of great uh, happiness, like I said, and, 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 and a lack of, of, of need. Um, I was talking to, to David before the service. There's lots of light in the summertime, kind of the whole summer, but there's lots of darkness spiritually. And we're here and we're, we're, we're representing the International Mission Board, which is um, the missions branch of your church network. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, maybe not everybody knows that, um, but the IMB is the, the largest, most strategic Christian missionary force the world has probably ever seen. And we, as, as Swedish, and my wife, American, of course, but just... We have had a great experience with the IMB, and we're here to say thank you for that in large part. Thank you for the ways that you guys are already playing in that. You're giving to the Lottie Moon 
offering and, and, and South Run's participation and contributions to that have paid for our salary in Denmark, um, help us get groceries, help us um, pay our rent, and um, so thank you. You guys are super connected to us, and um, we're, we're here kind of as a part of that. I know, I know it has been a while since you've had an IMB person, and so we're just here to, to really just say thank you in large part and to hopefully let you know a little bit more about what that involves through the story of Naaman, so that'll be fun. Um, but also just to put a face to what you guys are already doing. So praise the Lord for, for South Run. Praise the Lord for um, the, the cooperative program of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, hopefully you guys will have a chance to have some opportunities to, to learn more and, and, and get more connected as well. So we're going to be talking today about the roadblocks for kingdom expansion in the church, particularly through the story of Naaman. Um, and so I just wanted to ask, why, why, is, why should we talk about that? You know, why is that a subject worth addressing? And, you know, we, we, we were just in Richmond for the last week, kind of reconnecting with, with the IMB and learning about, about the whole Southern Baptist Convention. And again, maybe you guys don't all know this, but there's over 40,000 uh, Southern Baptist churches in America. Um, and like I said, it's a huge force for good around the world through um, some of the relief efforts, send relief, and then missions as well. But one of the big things that we talked about is that a lot of the churches of the SBC are not connected, engaged on a deep level with, with missions, with the Great Commission, particularly through the, through the IMB. Um, many churches don't give to the Lottie Moon. Many churches don't pray or, or send teams. And, and um, you know, so what, we feel like this is like a really important question. It's obvious that there are roadblocks to kingdom expansion throughout the world. The IMB, like I said, is a great program. It's really well organized. And yet there's these gaps of a lot of times Churches and, and us as individuals, we, we might remain in, unengaged from, from God's mission. Um, why is that? And we're going to be looking at that today in the life of Naaman. Um, there's been some statistics recently, though, about Bible engagement. And it's uh, from the Bible Engagement Center in America. And it's, it's, it's recently come out that at least if you read the Bible four times a week on your own, I don't know if that includes church or not. <laughs> I think it's four times a week in like kind of quiet, quiet time. You are more than 228% more likely to share your faith. Um, so this story of Naaman, it's, it's not directly connected to missions necessarily, but I think it's about a man engaging with the prophet of God, engaging with the gospel of God, and it transforming his heart and moving into his part of the world and that's what we believe, guys. When, when we're satisfied in Christ, when we're walking with him, when we're growing with him, the natural outpouring of that is that we share with others. And we pray for missionaries or we go on a mission trip, whatever that means. Um, when we're applying the balm of the gospel to ourselves and to one another, when we're being healed like Naaman is in this way by, by the Lord, 
And then when people get close to us, they can't but overhear our prayers and, and see the healing of the gospel in our lives. So mission is an, a natural overflow. It's a natural, um, it's, a, it's an outpouring of joy. Like when you're eating a really good steak, what do you naturally want to do? Like if you're a guy, you're like, oh, yeah, you talk about it. You start talking about it at the meal, right? And then if I'm sitting next to Alex and we're eating really good food, I'm like, isn't this awesome? And he's eating it, and he goes, no, it actually stinks. Well, then my joy is diminished. I'm like, oh, you know. But if he agrees with me, he's like, yes, this is really good. We look each other in the eyes, we like high five, you know, like my joy is increased. And that's what missions is all about, guys. It's, that's what sharing your faith is all about. It's actually about experiencing Jesus to a greater degree. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So let me just pray. Lord, you say to us, Jesus, that without you we can do nothing. And I believe that. Only you can do it as we sang in that song. Um, you're the only one who can do it. You can do anything, and, but you're the only one who can really do anything of eternal significance. So we pray now that, that you would settle our hearts and like Pastor Eric said, just slow down, think about this story and, and, and be, be changed by your spirit. We pray for the kids in the room as well that you give them a supernatural ears to hear and, um, and draw us closer to you. I pray that you would keep me believing the words that I say, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Eric read the text. It was awesome. Like he said, it's a really great story. And I'm just gonna pull out three roadblocks to kingdom expansion in our own hearts and in the world from the story of Naaman. Does that sound good? Three roadblocks. And um, I'm a good Baptist, so they're all Ps. So it's gonna be <laughs> purity, prosperity, and pride. Can you guys all say that? Purity, prosperity, and pride. I've been with high school kids a lot the last couple weeks, so I'm used to a little bit more, you know, feedback. So but let me just go ahead and, and start reading the text um, from 2 Kings 5.5. 5. Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. So right away, guys, this, we see this is not Israel. This is not a story about the kings of Israel like we see so often in the Old Testament. It's not about the priesthood of Israel. This is a story in the book of Kings about this Syrian king. The, the Bible has always been a global book. It has always been the promise all the way back from Abraham is that he would be a blessing to all nations. He, the people of Israel would be a light to all nations. Um, the Great Commission about discipleship that you guys probably know, it says right there, make disciples of all nations. This is the mission of every church. This is the mission of the book from the start. Um, and Syria, obviously you guys have heard about Syria in the news lately, but this was a place that was at enmity with Israel. It says later on that um, this story sort of interacts with God's people through raiders coming <laughs> to, to Israel. Syrian raiders brought back an Israel servant, Israelite servant. It's kind of like the Vikings, if you guys know that story. That's Alex and I's part of the world there. And they came over and they were plundering the monks and that's how Christianity came, you know, came back to the Danish Viking Empire. And, and that's what's going on here, guys. We see the global expansion of the church, of God's people from the very outset. And what does it say? It says... He was a great man with his master in high favor 
because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So right away we see that he's a man of valor, he has status, but comes in right away with this detail. He was a leper. So this is my first point. What is a, a hindrance to us in experiencing the power of God in our lives and, and that spilling over into mission in the world? The first one is purity. Um, sickness in, in the Old Testament, particularly leprosy, was a reminder of, of spiritual ugliness. Um, leprosy was terrible. It was incurable. It might be like AIDS was a, a, a few decades ago. It was sort of people were seen as outsiders and um, they would lose fingers. Um, the, the worst part of this is that they were shunned. They were considered unclean. And perhaps, it was said, this was caused by sin. Um, now, what I'm not saying here, and I don't think the text is saying to us, is that, that that's right. Like, sickness does not mean automatically, one, that God is punishing you, or God loves you less, or, um, you know, you've done something wrong, you're less human. But what the Bible does teach us in Romans 8.20 it says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, subjected it in hope. So those of you who are Roman scholars out there, um, who might subject the world in hope? It's not Satan. It's not sinners. I believe what it's saying is that God has put brokenness in the world to show us something to show us our need of him, to show us the reality of sin. Now, it doesn't, again, doesn't mean one for one, but the point here is that he was this, Naaman was this powerful man, good man, doing really well, but he had this reminder of his brokenness, of his impurity, okay? And we see that in this passage. There's an impact of sin. And this can be a roadblock for us. This is the, probably the most obvious roadblock for all of us. Um, we are all sinners. We are all limited. We, are, we all fall short of God's glory. And I think a lot of times for us, that can leave us in a place of hiding from God. It can leave us in a place of trying to justify ourselves, trying to prove ourselves, or trying to, to do certain things, you know? And the, the thing is, guys, the world knows this. You know, like the world knows that they're sinners. The world knows that they're impurity, that there's impurity out there. How many of you guys have seen the Dark, the dark Knight Batman movie? Christopher Nolan, yeah? I mean, he paints a picture of evil and like we all run to the theaters and, and, and watch it, you know? Um, you guys remember Bat or Joker? He's, he's, what does it say about him? It says he just wants to see the world burn, right? He's this terrible, and we all go to the theaters, but then I think a lot of times we come to church and... and and it's the only place that we, we don't talk about it. You know, like we're afraid, oh, we don't want to offend people. And, but this is the truth, guys. Like we're all sinners. The world is lost. If there's anything the IMB we're all about is, is we just want to see the lost come to know Jesus. But in order for the lost to be saved, we have to recognize that there is sin, to speak truth in love and say there is sin. And we need to recognize that we as God's people, like we're never going to be perfect. There's one perfect man that ever lived, right? Jesus, okay? And your sin, our sin, God, God is not surprised by that. 
God is not thinking you are not qualified to, to share the gospel with your friends. God is not thinking you are, you are never going to have an impact on a missions trip. Like God knows your weaknesses. He made you that way. He knows your sin. He says, come to me, be healed, and be used by me. Okay? So this is a roadblock for some of us, though. Impurity. We, we want to be pure. Okay? We want to we wanna have everything together before we can really have an impact. Not according to this story. Okay? So let's keep reading in verse 2. Now the Syrians, here we go, on one of their raids, <laughs> literally sounds like Vikings, carried off a little girl. That's real positive. Um, from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. And she had said to her mistress, Would that my lord were the prophet, or were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And I love the kid's story. I love that you guys brought that in. Like this little girl just simply points out the obvious. Like there is a power for change in the world. There is a way to be healed. The God of Israel is mighty if you would just go. So Naaman, verse four, went and told his Lord thus. And so, thus and so, spoke the girl. I don't know if that's like, he's like diminishing what she's saying. Like thus and so, um, spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. I love the logic here. The one person who actually knows what to do in this story is this little girl, like we learned about. And the solution of this, you know, Naaman is like, let's get the kings talking to each other about this. Like, that's going to go much better. It's like, well, that seems to be what the problem was in the first place is we're just, we're thinking on this level um, when there's a really simple solution. But anyway, so he's like, I'll send a letter to the king. So he went taking him 10 talents of silver 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. I'm not even gonna talk about this today, but it's hilarious how Naaman thinks this has to go down. Like, I have to buy this healing. I have to manipulate the circumstances to make this work through my power. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but keep reading the whole chapter. It's, it's really kind of hilarious, and Elisha really tells him what's up. But he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read... When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Okay, so the king of Syria sends a letter to the king of Israel. And then what happens in verse 7? When the king of Israel read the letter, how does he respond? He's like really defensive. <laughs> he's like, he's like, so where he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking to stir a quarrel with me. So leprosy would probably have killed Naaman and he's like, I can't raise people from the dead. I'm not God. He's like so focused on himself. And, and I think we see here the second roadblock to, 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 to kingdom expansion to the Lord bringing the, the gospel, really, to the Syrian people here. Um, it's prosperity. Prosperity or power, you could say. And the, the fact is, when you have power and success, like these kings, right? They were doing well, Naaman included as well, in this story. It's easy to automatically think that you know everything, spiritually, 
When you have a success in this life, you think, you know what, I'm, I know what's going on spiritually as well. And Naaman and these kings here are blinded by their wealth and their power. But, and we'll read more about this later as I continue, but I'm just gonna point it out now because this, this is the second P and that's the time to do it. Um, there's two servants, powerless servants in this story that are key to Naaman being healed. Blessed, Jesus said, are the poor in spirit. We see this in the Gospel of Luke. We see this throughout the Bible. And I think, guys, you know, we're worried about the economy right now. I get it, inflation. But, like, we are. We're the 1%. Like, I don't know a lot about D.C., but Alex tells me, like, there's a lot of wealth and, 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 and power. And, and let me tell you, when I was in high school, this is a bit of my story and how we got to church planting in, in the Nordics. Um, I read the story of Jesus where he said, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel through the eye of the needle. And like being a newly saved teen, which I think sometimes the teens, like we just read what it says and like, oh, that's actually what he meant, you know? Um, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be rich. Like, that seems like the worst possible scenario, spiritually speaking, right? To be a camel that's trying to get through the eye of a needle. It's pretty simple. I don't, I don't want to be rich. So, you know, my parents weren't happy, too happy to hear that, probably. Um, although my mom was very supportive and everything. But that's how I got into ministry, because I was like, well, that seems like a safe way to avoid, <laughs> avoid riches and, and everything. And... It is, like we're, we're really thankful. The IMB sets our salary. And even if I become the leader of all of Europe in the IMB, I'll never make more money. Praise the Lord for that. I'm protected from the spiritual danger of riches. And I just wanna encourage you guys to think about this as well. Like there, there's a lot of power in, here in, in America, in DC. Um, there's a lot of wealth here in, in Springfield and and, and it promises us safety, security, a path. But we were praying this morning in the Sunday school and there's people who are getting in car accidents. There's people who are health or failing and like all these promises of, of the middle class American, healthy, prosperous lifestyle, like they can't deliver on the promises of satisfaction. That's just the truth. Um, there's a, a movie called American Beauty. I'm not recommending the movie, particularly with the children in the room. There's some elements. But it paints this picture of the American suburban middle class lifestyle. And it just says, like, you can have all these things, all these comforts, all these securities, and yet be totally devoid of meaning and unsatisfied and restless. And your life can just crash into nothingness. Um, it can't quench you. It can't satisfy you. It can't satisfy us. And this, I think, often is a roadblock um, to God using us, to us sharing the gospel with our friends and neighbors or considering going to do ministry. In, in, it doesn't mean you have to work at a church, right? It doesn't mean you need to go be a missionary full time, but you know, what, what, what does that mean for you? How, how are those roadblocks getting in the way of how the Lord might use your gifts for him?
So that's number two, prosperity, purity, prosperity. Let me keep reading. Verse eight, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to him saying, why have you torn your clothes? So Elisha knows that these kings don't really get it. Let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry. Here's powerful man number two responding like a child in this story. So watch out, you powerful men. Um, This story is giving us a warning. Um, I'm included in that probably. Um, And he went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Parfar, Farpar or whatever, um, the, river of, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And then he turned away and went in a rage, away in a rage. So he's angry and snubbed. He feels snubbed. He feels like he is better than this. The Jordan River... We read the Jesus Storybook Bible and they, they talk about how it was a stinky river. It doesn't quite say that in the text, but that seems to be the impression Naaman has. It wasn't very clean. Um, and here we have the third roadblock of, of kingdom expansion, pride. You know, And we see that in Naaman because why? He gets a simple command and he's like in a rage and he's sort of feeling snubbed, Right? And the truth is the simplicity of the obedience God is calling us to, to share the gospel, and the simplicity of the gospel itself, the forgiveness, repentance, turning to God and being forgiven, like that is often a stumbling block for us. We often want to cling to our pride. Like we said, Naaman was an army commander, which it says captain, I think, in the text, but basically he was a general. So there's some military people in the room. Anybody seen the generals get a little peeved about something because somebody said something wrong? Alex, has that ever happened? Yep, I'm sure it's happened. Um, And he was not used to getting orders, right? He was used to giving orders, particularly from a messenger, it sounds like. He didn't want some lowly messenger to come. But what did he want? He wanted some sort of religious ceremony. He wanted like a superstitious thing. He wanted a religious thing from this guru. Um, He wanted a noble river, not the nasty Jordan. But guys, here's the deal. And I love the Southern Baptists for this reason. We get a lot of things wrong. But the simple gospel, the simple message of Jesus died for your sins. The forgiveness that is in him. God made us for relationship with him But we have sinned. We are impure. We've all fallen short. All of us. Christians, churchgoers and and non-churchgoers. Baptists and Presbyterians, right? Um, Muslims and secularists. We're all sinners in need of grace. And yet, if we come to Jesus, if we turn from our sin, if we follow him, if we look to him in faith, we'll be forgiven. But, and we can walk with him. We can have newness of life. We can be changed and, and given a future and freedom from sin. 
But that message of repentance, that simple message, the world will sneer at us for that. You know, we feel that way in Denmark. Uh, so teach you guys a little bit more about Denmark. Copenhagen is a very smart, sophisticated, high-functioning type place. Maybe a little bit like Washington, D.C. People, people got their stuff put together for the most part, it seems like. Springfield, anyway, I don't know. Um, and, you know, when you come and you say, like, like simple salvation in Christ, repent and believe in him and you can be forgiven, like, people are like, it's too, it's too, it's too good to be true, you know? Like, I want, I want a path to moral improvement. I want a religious ritual. I want this sort of, I want you to wave your hand over something. And I think Jeremiah told me the force be with you on the way up here. Like, so there's some confusion there, right? Yeah. You know, like the, the droids are not here that you're looking for or whatever, right? Like, but honestly, it's been really refreshing for us to be here. It's been really refreshing for us to be in where Stephanie's family is in Kansas. And we were in Wyoming preaching at a Southern Baptist church. And, and like, I think there is more of this in America. I know it's not everywhere, but like simple, faithful churches clinging to the message of forgiveness. And there's not necessarily a lot of pretense. There's not necessarily the same amount of pride. So let me just wrap up this point here, guys, with pride with a couple of quotes from one of my favorite pastors and authors named Tim Keller. He said, without the gospel, we hate ourselves instead of sin. So that's false humility. But without the gospel, we're motivated through all sorts of fear and pride to change, but it doesn't really just, doesn't change our hearts. It restrains our hearts. And he says that the opposite of pride is humility, but humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. It's, a, it's forgetting about ourselves. And I can just imagine Naaman feeling that way at the end here. And we're gonna go there here now. He'd been, he'd been, he has pride. He's, he's feeling snubbed and he's feeling centered on himself and, and yet one of his servants in verse 13 came near. So another servant and said to him, my father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He's kind of saying like, you were ready to buy him off with all this stuff and do all these dramatic things. And he's given you this simple command. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Duh. <laughs> like he's thinking like, you're getting off pretty easy here, Naaman. Like this is a great word. The simple message of forgiveness is a great word. It's life-giving. Wash and be clean, he said to you. And I love it. Like I said, there's these servants. They're playing these pivotal role in the story. In verse 14, so Naaman went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So Naaman, again, the story is playing with us a little bit. It's, 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 he has this leprosy, but there's something else going on. His pride, his prosperity, his, his impurity is really deeper and he experiences this healing now. And he must just be so like, I don't know, the story continues, but I think he experiences humility. It says that his flesh became like the flesh of a child. Um, I'm 36, I'm starting to notice like spots already, you know, like 
we've been out in the sun a lot in Denver where we're closer to the sun. And, and I'm like, oh, no, like there's a little spot there and skin tags. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, like <laughs> Alex is making a face. You still have the baby flesh. That's what it is. Alex, he's got the baby face. But, but, but you guys know what it's like to have children and the beauty of their little, their little lives. And that's what it says he experienced. And then he turned to the man of God and all his company and he came and stood before him and said, Behold, I know that there is, a God, is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And then he goes back to the, here, here's a present. So we won't go there today. But let me just close with this. It's, I think it's easy for us to think of Naaman and say, like, if I had leprosy, I mean, I wouldn't be like Naaman. I wouldn't do what he did. Um, but, but, but I think the reason this is in the Old Testament is, is there for a reason. It's asking us the same question. What roadblocks are we hanging on to, to God working in us, to God maybe taking us to that place of, of real radical joy and, and following of Jesus? Like, do you want to grow in your faith? Or do you just kind of want to cruise? Do you want to go to church? Do you want to just do the thing? Are you willing to really give yourself over to the mission of Jesus, of making disciples, do you want to get radical about following him in the way that he calls us to? And, and you guys probably look at missionaries like us and you're like, those are the radical people. Those are the ones who have to go suffer. And like, I just want to remind you that the New Testament, being radical is not radical. <laughs> like, like following Jesus with your whole heart and your whole life, that's normative Christian experience. Suffering is on every page of the New Testament. And yet a lot of times we kind of, translate our Christianity to be a very comfortable, I'm not saying it's just an American thing, it happens in Denmark too, a comfortable kind of middle class version. Are, are, are there roadblocks? Maybe God is calling you to remove some of those roadblocks. Um, maybe just by repenting of your sin and coming to him for the first time. Maybe it's prosperity that's getting in the way. Maybe it's some pride. Maybe he's calling you to start praying for something crazy like Danish missionaries, um, Swedish, Dan, Danish, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, or, or maybe going on a, on a missions trip with, with, with NAMB here locally or serving, or maybe it's just calling you to start praying, you know, in your own life and, and taking your own faith seriously. And maybe you're thinking like, well, I feel like these roadblocks that I have my pride, like what would I be without, without my sin? My sin is what makes me cool and interesting. I'm kind of a rebel. But here's the deal. Jesus, he was perfect, and he was the most interesting man to ever live. Um, maybe you feel like, I don't know all the answers. I can't share my faith. I can't go on a missions trip. Um, here's the deal. You will never know all the answers. I know people say that, and it's not a way of saying we don't want to talk about those things, but today is the day to follow Jesus in that radical way. Maybe you guys feel embarrassed to take that step of faith, but here's the deal. We all have to be embarrassed by something. All of us have to be crazy for something, right? The gospel is the only thing worth being foolish for. Um, I don't know about missionaries and thinking about all that, missions. It seems out of my comfort zone, out of my culture. But, but guys, Jesus promises that every step of faith we take out of our comfort zone, he will meet us with a greater joy. Nothing we abandon 
will be ultimately given up. Maybe you're thinking like, okay, missionary Christian. That's what the kids called me at camp. They gave me a label, missionary Christian. I'm like, I'm so much more than a missionary. But, you know. um, it's like, I don't know about this whole IMB thing. I don't even think of myself as a Southern Baptist, you know. Um, my brother said that to me last night. We were out on a double date. He's like, I'm not a Baptist. I'm like, all right. Fair enough. Okay, that's, that's, that's a legitimate point. You can, you can hang on to that. Like, you know, you don't have to be especially Baptist in, your, in the way you follow Jesus. That's okay. It's not about a denomination, right? It's about giving ourselves over to him, following him, fulfilling the Great Commission. I want to close with a story. We were out last night, the four of us, and we went to Clifton Cafe. You guys know Clifton? Super cool area. And we went to the cafe, and we had a, a waiter named Squeech. Not kidding you, his name was Squeech. And he was uh, from India. And Alex, being the bold man that he was, he's like, we should all hold hands and pray. So he held out held hands and pray. And um, when he came back, he was like, oh, I missed Grace. I, I wish, wish I could have joined you, which that was like, <laughs> that never happens to us. I don't know if that happens to you guys a lot, but it was like a real open opportunity. And, and um, he started to share with us and talk with us and he shared how he was an a Indian Hindu, and he is going through this really hard breakup with, with a Christian girl because she wanted to be radical and follow Jesus, and good for her. <laughs> um, but we had the chance to, to share around the table there about the forgiveness that we, we have found in Jesus and what makes it different than other religions, and shared the prodigal son story, and then we even invited him to do grace over with us again. So we prayed, prayed with him, and... Um, here's the deal, guys. When we're giving ourselves over to Christ, like I know many of you are, but giving yourselves wholeheartedly, getting in the word four times a week, that's, that's, then, then, then there's these opportunities to see the Great Commission to move forward in our lives, to India, maybe, to Syria, like a Naaman story, or even to Denmark, because God brings us those opportunities. He does. And I just want to encourage you, how is God calling you to move the mission forward right here in D.C. He has the nations here. I've seen Korean Baptist churches. I've seen, and there's so many nations right here. How will you respond? Jesus, he'll meet you right there if you take that step of faith. He promises to be with us and never forsake us. So how will you take that next, last step, next step? Let me close in prayer. God, we love you and we thank you for the story. Uh, um, we thank you for the just astonishing ways that we see ourselves in Naaman, um, our status and our prosperity blinds us in many ways to the simple gospel, the simple call of obedience, to be cleaned, to, to see the gospel move forward. Um, I just pray that you would apply the word to us, that we would not be hearers of the word only, but doers, um, that you would show us how we can be obedient to you in, in, in bringing the gospel to the nations, whatever that looks like. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to be here as a family, and thank you for South Run, and we, we do pray that you would increase um, the engagement and the missional impact of this church in this neighborhood and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.